Section 19 of What is Property? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by E. Ellen. What is Property? An Inquiry into the Principle of Right and of Government by Pierre Joseph Proudhon. Translated by Benjamin R. Tucker. Chapter 5, Part 2 psychological exposition of the idea of justice of the third degree of sociability the reader perhaps has not forgotten what was said in the third chapter concerning the division of labor and the specialty of talents the sum total of the talents and capabilities of the race is always the same and their nature is always similar we are all born poets mathematicians philosophers artists artisans or farmers but we are not born equally endowed and between one man and another in society or between one faculty and another in the same individual there is an infinite difference this difference of degree in the same faculties this predominance of talent in certain directions is we have said the very foundation of our society intelligence and natural genius have been distributed by nature so economically and yet so liberally that in society there is no danger of either a surplus or a scarcity of special talents and that each labourer by devoting himself to his function may always attain to the degree of proficiency necessary to enable him to benefit by the labours and discoveries of his fellows owing to this simple and wise precaution of nature the labourer is not isolated by his task he communicates with his fellows through the mind before he is united with them in heart so that with him love is born of intelligence. It is not so with societies of animals. In each species, the aptitudes of all the individuals, though very limited, are equal in number and, when they are not the result of instinct, in intensity. Each one does as well as the others what all the others do, provides his food, avoids the enemy, burrows in the earth, builds a nest, etc. No animal, when free and healthy, expects or requires the aid of his neighbor who in his turn is equally independent associated animals live side by side without any intellectual intercourse or intimate communication all doing the same things having nothing to learn or to remember they see feel and come in contact with each other but never penetrate each other man continually exchanges with man ideas and feelings products and services every discovery and act in society is necessary to him but of this immense quantity of products and ideas that which each one has to produce and acquire for himself is but an atom in the sun man would not be man were not for society and society is supported by the balance and harmony of the powers which compose it society among the animals is simple with man it is complex man is associated with man by the same instinct which associates animal with animal but man is associated differently from the animal and it is this difference in association which constitutes the difference in morality i have proved at too great length perhaps both by the spirit of the laws which regard property as the basis of society and by political economy that inequality of conditions is justified neither by priority of occupation nor superiority of talent service industry and capacity but although equality of conditions is a necessary consequence of natural right of liberty of the loss of production of the capacity of physical nature 
and of the principle of society itself it does not prevent the social sentiment from stepping over the boundaries of debt and credit the fields of benevolence and love extend far beyond and when economy has adjusted its balance the mind begins to benefit by its own justice and the heart expands in the boundlessness of its affection the social sentiment then takes on a new character which varies with different persons in the strong it becomes the pleasure of generosity among equals frank and cordial friendship in the weak the pleasure of admiration and gratitude the man who is superior in strength skill or courage knows that he owes all that he is to society without which he could not exist he knows that in treating him precisely as it does the lowest of its members society discharges its whole duty towards him but he does not underrate his faculties he is no less conscious of his power and greatness and it is this voluntary reverence which he pays to humanity this avowal that he is but an instrument of nature who is alone worthy of glory and worship it is i say this simultaneous confession of the heart and the mind this genuine adoration of the great being that distinguishes and elevates man and lifts him to a degree of social morality to which the beast is powerless to attain hercules destroying the monsters and punishing brigands for the safety of greece orpheus teaching the rough and wild pelasgians neither of them putting a price upon their services there we see the noblest creations of poetry the loftiest expression of justice and virtue the joys of self-sacrifice are ineffable if i were to compare human society to the old greek tragedies i should say that the phalanx of noble minds and lofty souls dances the strophe and the humble multitude the antistrophe burdened with painful and disagreeable tasks but rendered omnipotent by their number and the harmonic arrangement of their functions the latter execute what the others plan guided by them they owe them nothing they honour them however and lavish upon them praise and approbation gratitude fills people with adoration and enthusiasm but equality delights my heart benevolence degenerates into tyranny and admiration into servility friendship is the daughter of equality o oh, my friends may i live in your midst without emulation and without glory let equality bring us together and fate assign us our places may i die without knowing to whom among you i owe the most esteem friendship is precious to the hearts of the children of men generosity gratitude i mean here only that gratitude which is born of admiration of a superior power and friendship are three distinct shades of a single sentiment which i will call equite or social proportionality footnote i mean here by equite what the latins called humanitas that is the kind of sociability which is peculiar to man humanity gentle and courteous to all knows how to distinguish ranks virtues and capabilities without injury to any End of footnote. Ekit does not change justice, but, always taking Ekit for the base, it superadds esteem, and thereby forms in man a third degree of sociability. Ekit makes it at once our duty and our pleasure to aid the weak who have need of us, and to make them our equals, to pay to the strong a just tribute of gratitude and honour, without enslaving ourselves to them, to cherish our neighbours, friends and equals, for that which we receive from them even by right of exchange. 
Ikit is sociability raised to its ideal by reason and justice. Its commonest manifestation is urbanity, or politeness, which among certain nations sums up in a single word nearly all the social duties. It is the just distribution of social sympathy and universal love. Now this feeling is unknown among the beasts, who love and cling to each other, and show their preferences, but who cannot conceive of esteem, and who are incapable of generosity, admiration, or politeness. This feeling does not spring from intelligence, which calculates, computes, and balances, but does not love, which sees, but does not feel. As justice is the product of social instinct and reflection combined, so Ikit is a product of justice and taste combined, that is, of our powers of judging and of idealizing. This product, the third and last degree of human sociability, is determined by our complex mode of association, in which equality, or rather the divergence of faculties and the specialty of functions, tending of themselves to isolate laborers, demand a more active sociability. That is why the force which oppresses while protecting is execrable, why the silly ignorance which views with the same eye the marvels of art and the products of the rudest industry excites unutterable contempt why proud mediocrity which glories in saying i have paid you i owe you nothing is especially odious sociability justice equite such in its triplicity is the exact definition of the instinctive faculty which leads us into communication with our fellows and whose physical manifestation is expressed by the formula equality in natural wealth and the products of labor these three degrees of sociability support and imply each other. Ikit cannot exist without justice. Society without justice is a solecism. If, in order to reward talent, I take from one to give to another, in unjustly stripping the first, I do not esteem his talent as I ought. If, in society, I award more to myself than to my associate, we are not really associated. Justice is sociability as manifested in the division of material things, susceptible of weight and measure. Ikit is justice accompanied by admiration and esteem, things which cannot be measured. From this, several inferences may be drawn. 1. Though we are free to grant our esteem to one more than to another, and in all possible degrees, yet we should give no one more than his proportion of the common wealth because the duty of justice, being imposed upon us before that of Ikit, must always take precedence of it. The woman honoured by the ancients, who, when forced by a tyrant to choose between the death of her brother and that of her husband, sacrificed the latter on the ground that she could find another husband but not another brother. That woman, I say, in obeying her sense of Ikit, failed in point of justice and did a bad deed because conjugal association is a closer relation than fraternal association, and because the life of our neighbor is not our property. By the same principle, inequality of wages cannot be admitted by law on the ground of inequality of talents, because the just distribution of wealth is the function of economy, not of enthusiasm. Finally, as regards donations, wills, and inheritance, society, careful both of the personal affections and its own rights, must never permit love and partiality to destroy justice. And though it is pleasant to think that the son, who has been long associated with his father in business, is more capable than any one else of carrying it on, 
and that the citizen, who is surprised in the midst of his task by death, is best fitted, in consequence of his natural taste for his occupation, to designate his successor. And though the heir should be allowed the right of choice in case of more than one inheritance, nevertheless, society can tolerate no concentration of capital and industry for the benefit of a single man, no monopoly of labor, no encroachment. Footnote. Justice and acute never have been understood. End of footnote. Quote. Suppose that some spoils, taken from the enemy and equal to twelve, are to be divided between Achilles and Ajax. If the two persons were equal, their respective shares would be arithmetically equal. Achilles would have six, Ajax six. And if we should carry out this arithmetical equality, Thersites would be entitled to as much as Achilles, which would be unjust in the extreme. To avoid this injustice, the worth of the persons should be estimated, and the spoils divided accordingly. Suppose that the worth of Achilles is double that of Ajax. The former's share is eight, the latter four. There is no arithmetical equality, but a proportional equality. It is this comparison of merits, rationum, that Aristotle calls distributive justice. It is a geometrical proportion. End of quote. From Toulier's French Law According to the Code Are Achilles and Ajax associated, or are they not? Settle that, and you settle the whole question. If Achilles and Ajax, instead of being associated, are themselves in the service of Agamemnon, who pays them, there is no objection to Aristotle's method. The slave-owner, who controls his slaves, may give a double allowance of brandy to him who does double work. That is the law of despotism, the right of slavery. But if Achilles and Ajax are associated, they are equals. What matters it that Achilles has a strength of four, while that of Ajax is only two? The latter may always answer that he is free, that if Achilles has a strength of four, five could kill him. Finally, that in doing personal service he incurs as great a risk as Achilles. The same argument applies to Thersites. If he is unable to fight, let him be cook, purveyor, or butler. If he is good for nothing, put him in the hospital. In no case wrong him, or impose upon him laws. Man must live in one of two states, either in society or out of it. In society, conditions are necessarily equal, except in the degree of esteem and consideration which each one may receive. Out of society, man is so much raw material, a capitalized tool, and often an incommodious and useless piece of furniture. 2. Equite, justice, and society can exist only between individuals of the same species. They form no part of the relations of different races to each other. For instance, of the wolf to the goat, of the goat to man, of man to God, much less of God to man. The attribution of justice, equality, and love to the supreme being is pure anthropomorphism, and the adjectives just, merciful, pitiful, and the like should be stricken from our litanies. God can be regarded as just, equitable, and good, only to another God. Now God has no associate, consequently he cannot experience social affections, such as goodness, equite, and justice. Is the shepherd said to be just to his sheep and his dogs? No, and if he saw fit to share as much wool from a lamb six months old as from a ram of two years, or if he required as much work from a young dog as from an old one, 
they would say not that he was unjust but that he was foolish between man and beast there is no society though there may be affection man loves the animals as things as sentient things if you will but not as persons philosophy after having eliminated from the idea of god the passions ascribed to him by superstition will then be obliged to eliminate also the virtues which our liberal piety awards to him footnote between woman and man there may exist love passion ties of custom and the like but there is no real society man and woman are not companions the difference of the sexes places a barrier between them like that placed between animals by a difference of race consequently far from advocating what is now called the emancipation of woman i should incline rather if there were no other alternative to exclude her from society End of footnote. the rights of woman and her relations with man are yet to be determined matrimonial legislation like civil legislation is a matter for the future to settle if god should come down to earth and dwell among us we could not love him unless he became like us nor give him anything unless he produced something nor listen to him unless he proved us mistaken nor worship him unless he manifested his power all the laws of our nature affectional economical and intellectual would prevent us from treating him as we treat our fellow-men that is according to reason justice and equite i infer from this that if god should ever wish to put himself into immediate communication with man he would have to become a man now if kings are images of god and executors of his will they cannot receive love wealth obedience and glory from us unless they consent to labour and associate with us produce as much as they consume reason with their subjects and do wonderful things still more if as some pretend kings are public functionaries the love which is due them is measured by their personal amiability our obligation to obey them by the wisdom of their commands and their civil list by the total social production divided by the number of citizens thus jurisprudence political economy and psychology agree in admitting the law of equality right and duty the due reward of talent and labour the outbursts of love and enthusiasm all are regulated in advance by an invariable standard all depend upon number and balance equality of conditions is the law of society and universal solidarity is the ratification of this law but our opposition to this law has made it all the more a necessity to that fact history bears perpetual testimony and the course of events reveals it to us society advances from equation to equation to the eyes of the economist the revolutions of empires seem now like the reduction of algebraical quantities which are interdeducible now like the discovery of unknown quantities induced by the inevitable influence of time figures are the providence of history undoubtedly there are other elements in human progress but in the multitude of hidden causes which agitate nations there is none more powerful or constant none less obscure than the periodical explosions of the proletariat against property property acting by exclusion and encroachment while population was increasing has been the life principle and definitive cause of all revolutions religious wars and wars of conquest when they have stopped short of the extermination of races have been only accidental disturbances soon repaired by the mathematical progression of the life of nations 
the downfall and death of societies are due to the power of accumulation possessed by property in the middle ages take florence a republic of merchants and brokers always rent by its well-known factions the guelphs and ghibellines who were after all only the people and the proprietors fighting against each other florence ruled by bankers and borne down at last by the weight of her debts footnote the strong box of cosmo de medici was the grave of florentine liberty said m michelet to the college of france End of footnote. in ancient times take rome preyed upon from its birth by usury flourishing nevertheless as long as the known world furnished its terrible proletaires with labour stained with blood by civil war at every interval of rest and dying of exhaustion when the people lost together with their former energy their last spark of moral sense carthage a commercial and financial city continually divided by internal competition tyre sidon jerusalem nineveh babylon ruined in turn by commercial rivalry and as we now express it by panics in the market do not these famous examples show clearly enough the fate which awaits modern nations unless the people unless france with a sudden burst of her powerful voice proclaims in thunder tones the abolition of the regime of property here my task should end i have proved the right of the poor i have shown the usurpation of the rich i demand justice it is not my business to execute the sentence if it should be argued in order to prolong for a few years an illegitimate privilege that it is not enough to demonstrate equality that it is necessary also to organize it and above all to establish it peacefully i might reply the welfare of the oppressed is of more importance than official composure equality of conditions is a natural law upon which public economy and jurisprudence are based the right to labor and the principle of equal distribution of wealth cannot give way to the anxieties of power it is not for the proletaire to reconcile the contradictions of the codes still less to suffer for the errors of the government on the contrary it is the duty of the civil and administrative power to reconstruct itself on the basis of political equality an evil when known should be condemned and destroyed the legislator cannot plead ignorance as an excuse for upholding a glaring iniquity restitution should not be delayed justice justice recognition of right reinstatement of the proletaire when these results are accomplished then judges and consuls you may attend to your police and provide a government for the republic for the rest i do not think that a single one of my readers accuses me of knowing how to destroy but of not knowing how to construct in demonstrating the principle of equality i have laid the foundation of the social structure i have done more i have given an example of the true method of solving political and legislative problems of the science itself i confess that i know nothing more than its principle and i know of no one at present who can boast of having penetrated deeper many people cry come to me and i will teach you the truth these people mistake for the truth their cherished opinion and ardent conviction which is usually anything but the truth the science of society like all human sciences will be forever incomplete the depth and variety of the questions which it embraces are infinite we hardly know the a b c of this science as is proved by the fact that we had not yet emerged from the period of systems 
and have not ceased to put the authority of the majority in the place of facts a certain philological society decided linguistic questions by a plurality of votes our parliamentary debates were the results less pernicious would be even more ridiculous the task of the true publicist in the age in which we live is to close the mouths of quacks and charlatans and to teach the public to demand demonstrations instead of being contented with symbols and programs before talking of the science itself it is necessary to ascertain its object and discover its method and principle the ground must be cleared of the prejudices which encumber it such is the mission of the nineteenth century for my part i have sworn fidelity to my work of demolition and i will not cease to pursue the truth through the ruins and rubbish i hate to see a thing half done and it will be believed without any assurance of mine that having dared to raise my hand against the holy ark i shall not rest contented with the removal of the cover the mysteries of the sanctuary of iniquity must be unveiled the tables of the old alliance broken and all the objects of the ancient faith thrown in a heap to the swine a charter has been given us a resume of political science the monument of twenty legislatures a code has been written the pride of a conqueror and the summary of ancient wisdom well of this charter and this code not one article shall be left standing upon another the time has come for the wise to choose their course and prepare for reconstruction but since a destroyed error necessarily implies a counter-truth i will not finish this treatise without solving the first problem of political science that which receives the attention of all minds when property is abolished what will be the form of society will it be communism End of chapter 5, part 2